What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I am back from the freaking COVID. It didn't stop me. I fought it off. And I'm so glad to be back with you, with my guest, Bill Hauser. And just back in general, extroverting, man, because it's so important to extrovert. It leads to success and you can feel it when you're stuck in isolation. So I'm, I'm glad to be back with you guys. I have a good friend of mine from Clubhouse and he's also a Philly native and, and Philly sports fan, which I love about him and also fellow Grant Cardone uh, follower. And uh, Bill Hauser's in the house. He's the CEO of the SMB team. He's a speaker. He's a husband, marketing magician, and dirt bike enthusiast. In the last four years, Bill has scaled his law firm growth company, the SMB team, SMB team, to 300% year-over-year growth. But it wasn't always that way. Bill's entrepreneurial spirit was influenced by the 2008 recession that hit his family, his family's business, which we'll get into more detail. And you know, I think this is uh, one of the things we talk about a lot. I wrote in my book about how you turn things into rocket fuel. I think Bill's done that, so which we're going to find out about that and that journey. And from those trying times, Bill set out on a mission to, to recession-proof each and every business he could touch, so that no business owner would ever experience that same pain again. And uh, man, that's a common common theme for me and a lot of people that I talk to. Bill, welcome to the show. Man, I'm excited about this. Yeah, look, so you share, you pour your heart out and your mind and everything out on Clubhouse a lot of times, man. And I, I sit there and listen. And although a lot of the stuff I've heard before and experienced before, you've always pop in some new thing, or maybe I didn't hear it the right way before. And it, it catches me the next time I listen to you speak. And first of all, I want to thank you for doing that because I know we're not paid to share on Clubhouse. And yeah. uh, I appreciate you, your investment in, into that and the audience there. But Bill, we always start the show with this question here, keeping with the theme or I'm sorry, the tradition, what are you made of? Yeah, it's a great question. And I've actually never been asked that question in a like an intellectual setting where I actually have to give a thoughtful response. Uh, it's always been like, what are you made of? You know, it's like, like, <laughs> like a coach or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, you know, the first thought when you kind of planted the seed that you're going to ask me this question is the first word that came to my mind is I am made of habits. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what I'm made of. I'm a person who went through, you know, the the stuff I went through in 2008, and everything that I've learned and succeeded and failed at in business in a very short time period. At the end of the day, I am made of habits, right? And I am only as good as my weakest habit, right? As um, Warren Buffett once said. You know the weakest link on on your chain is is often going to be your downfall, right? So I would look at that and and I would reverse engineer that into what habits, right? Well, in life, the only way we can live life is through our mornings, our days, our evenings, 
And then a compilation of those days would be our weeks, our months, our quarters, our years, packages of 10 years, right? Plus, right? So ultimately, if we kind of step back and look at, okay, like I'm a compilation of habits, well, that would mean that I, those listening, all of us are really a compilation of what we do in the morning, what we do during the day, what are our musts, what we do at night, what we do every week to plan for our week, right? And to execute throughout our week and make course corrections, what we do throughout our month, right? Meaning where we make strategic decisions, we do a little bit of analysis, research to steer the ship on a more longer term basis, right? What we do throughout a quarter, which is where we make clear quarterly goals, like quarterly rocks, as they call them in the book, Traction, the EOS system. I call them quarterly boulders, which I can get into later. <laughs> um, so quarterly initiatives, quarterly priorities. And then obviously, what I believe is the second most important document you ever make in, in your business is what I call the annual planning document, where you actually plan out exactly what you're going to do throughout a year in revenue on a monthly basis, by revenue source, all that. And then ultimately, the most important document in business, in my opinion, is what's called the vivid vision. And this is a three-year habit. So every three years, creating a clear picture for where you are, not where you'd like to, not would be nice if we went there. No, no, no. Where you are going three years from today, right? So that, that would be my answer to your question is on a three-year basis, annual, quarterly, monthly, weekly, and daily basis, I am simply a compilation of habits. That's what I am yeah. physically made of. <laughs> well, well, I love that. And you know, also, I, I also noticed that similar to me, you're made up of mentors and coaches because oh, I picked up time. a lot of, a lot of uh, and I know exactly who you're talking about, and I know uh, the traction, EOS, EOS Gina Wickman. Um, and who's the other guy that was in the US? Um, uh, Vern Harnish. Vern Harnish. Yeah. So them and then some Grant. And then also I noticed some Cameron Harrell. Yep. Yeah. So like that's a great thing because a lot of people will not talk about this stuff when they know it because they think that they're talking about other people's stuff. But really, we're all a compilation of all of our experiences that we've gotten from you know things we've gone through, then the things where we've looked outward to other people for help. Yep. And then we come and then eventually, and I know I've seen you already do this and I've done it, is you start to f- basically reframe their information with your experiences when then it becomes the Bill Hauser method, yep. whatever that might be called one day. You yep. know, like, you know, like you already talked about boulders instead of rocks, which is, is part of that. So yeah, I love that. Now take us back, Bill, like growing up, man. I mean, did you grow up outside of Philly? Yeah, Philly? I, I, can, I can bring you through. Yeah, I grew up right in the, in the Philly area. Um, and just, just to add to your last point, we did make a whole system. So, uh, you know, I have proprietary daily planning. Hey, documents I made. We, have, yep. we have a management framework uh, that we call the fast growth framework that ties together everything I learned from Cameron, everything I've learned from Cameron Harold of, of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, everything I've learned from Vern Harnish of Scaling Up, everything I've learned from Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach, everything I learned from Gina Wickman. These are all people I've interviewed on my show, similar to yours and who I pay for mentors of mine. And that is actually when you know you are getting closer to becoming a thought leader, not thought follower, right? Is when you can actually start augmenting and DJing 
all of the lessons you've learned from mentors. And I think a lot of people don't take that next step to where let's invent our own system, right? Yeah. So but I'll go back to, uh, we can go into that later. So Philadelphia grew up in the Philadelphia area. However, I wasn't really here much. I was traveling around all over the United States racing dirt bikes uh, semi-professionally. The year before I would have essentially went pro or kind of gotten close to that, I ended up breaking my back and I was a millimeter away from being paralyzed, which really put my priorities and, and life in order. Um, and uh, I was in North Carolina and I hit this 200 foot jump, huge jump. And I hit a kicker on my dirt bike on the face of the jump and my bike completely nosedived while I was like 30 feet vertical in the air. Mm. Um, and this huge down and just tumbled down the hill, like uncontrollably. I had this neck brace on. Had I not had the neck brace on, I would have snapped my neck and died. So the neck brace had a support system in the back that compressed against my upper vertebra, and it ended up compression fra fracturing two of my vertebrae. And then right after that, you know, right after I started recovering from that, a whole chain of, quite frankly, looking back, beautiful events. But at the time, they didn't they didn't feel so beautiful. Happened where you know our our family went bankrupt. Um, everything we owned got repossessed. I walked in on my dad with another woman and everything we own got taken from us. Like I literally can remember the day that my truck got repossessed um, when I was in high school and our house got repossessed. Our Everything we owned got repossessed. Every dirt bike I had, everything. And we had to move into a tiny little apartment. I didn't see my dad for years because uh, he, he moved away when all this happened. So, you know, and I, I coming, growing up, I was known as, you know, decently well off, not rich, but like, decent upper middle class, right? And I always say like thing I'm most grateful for is the fact that I had it all ripped away from me. And I was able to see the contrast of having a white picket fence life yeah. and then having that ripped and then going to nothing, right? And the cool thing about both of them was I realized I didn't want either of those, right? I was unhappy in both situations. I didn't want the white picket fence average. I I definitely didn't want the broke right? So yep. The only other option was to set really big targets, right? And uh, at that point in time, I decided, I found Grant online, I found Brian Tracy, Brendan Burchard, Tony Robbins, and I learned, you know, I was afraid of talking to people. I was somewhat extroverted, wasn't well practiced. I was afraid of quote unquote sales, right? Yeah. So I decided, like I was working construction with my dad and I decided, listen, I'm not confronting my fears by doing this construction work. So I decided to look for sales jobs and I got a job at yellowpages.com, which was fun. And I remember I told my sales manager uh, during our interview, he asked me, how much money do you think you're going to make in your first year? This is my first legit job. Like My only other yeah. real job was working I, at an insurance company. I remember the story. Yeah. So I, and I looked him in the eye and I just read the 10X rule from Cardone. <laughs> Like, oh, it's like it's like an Italian guy that just came out of seeing Rocky. Yep, 100%. So I, I look my sales manager in the eye and I say, "I'm going to make four hundred thousand dollars in my first year." And he and he and he sits back and goes, "He goes." He's like, and he and he wait. He he was waiting for me to like respond back as though I was kidding, and I didn't even smile. I was just like, right. I just was like straight faced the entire time. 
And I remember he like laughed and then, then he started, then it was funny. I started seeing him process numbers in his head. It's like, well, if you hit this quota, I guess we've never had it happen. And I started realizing the power of setting big goals, right? Mm-hmm. So when I entered that job, I literally got into a fight with my dad on the second day of me starting my job. I came into the office. There was blood on my shirt. Okay. Literally there's blood on my white button up shirt. And I got into the office at, I think, 6, 6.05 a.m. I get into the office. I'm like, I'm going to master sales. Like, I do not, I refuse to be dependent on anyone or anything because I can't let what happened to me happen to my future family and my goals and dreams. So I bought a sales training course from Cardone. It was $5,000. It was my first, it was my first week at the job. It was one week training, two days in. I went 5K in debt. I had no money. And all I had, all I had to my name was Cardone Sales University. That's it. That's it. (laughs) So I'm like pacing through the office, reciting objection. I didn't even know what I was selling at that on the second day. I'm just like, uh, uh, oh, I I get it. Yeah, I didn't expect you to to have enough information. You know, I'm going through all these objection handlers like a maniac. And this old sales manager who just was about to retire comes in and he came in and he saw me, he saw me rehearsing in there and I didn't see him. And he comes up to me and he goes, he goes, what are you doing, Bill? And I was like, oh, I'm rehearsing. I'm going to be the best salesperson in the company. Right. And, and I was just like, everyone hated me in the office, by the way, because I was so, I had to talk myself into it so much that right. I unconsciously just was saying my goals so much that- And the everyone, certainty. Yeah. Yeah. So they were uncomfortable by your certainty <laughs> that yeah, you were pushing it. hundred yeah. percent. So he, he asked, you know, what, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to be the best in the company. I will be number one by the end of this year. Right. That's why I'm here. And he was like, okay. And he looked down at my shirt. He's like, what's that on your shirt? And I just immediately was like, blood. I got in a fight with my dad this morning. <laughs> right. And he was just like, and he looked up at me and I have actually never said this before. He looked up at me and said, you have a deeper reason than being the number one salesperson here. And he walked out of the room. And I didn't understand that until years later, but he was right. I didn't know at that time that I was driven by immense fear. I was, it was all fear. And I think a lot of our a lot of our success in life comes from an unconscious fear of something we're trying to avoid. And then over time, once our survival needs get met on our path to success, we then go through a process of questioning, okay, my fears didn't come true. What's next? What's my real motivator? What's mm-hmm. the non-fear-based motivator? What's the big, big, big picture? And, and I remember I went through a ton of confusion. What is that? Do I just want to do sales? Right? And I had to go through this process of reflection and, and through the process of like you said, finding mentors, which has literally been my whole growth journey. You know, we look back starting SMB team, which was four years ago now. Our first year, we did 466,000 in revenue. Second year, we did 1.45 million. Our third year, we did 4 million. And our fourth year, which is this year, will surpass $10 million in revenue. Congrats, Next dude. Year, That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. But just getting started, as I know. Yeah, I know, but still the growth, are, the growth, I mean, you know, you're, you, you got to, you got to acknowledge it, but not be satisfied, right? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yep, but yep. next year we're on track to do 20 million and our target is 256 by 256 million per year 
by 2026. So what is the growth trajectory? Now we have 35 full-time W-2 employees. Like it's not like a four-hour work week business. Like I'm in a yep, physical yep, office yep. space with physical cubicles and standing desks where every cubicle and breakout rooms and a conference room and my office and my COO's office and a two kitchens and and now we're buying an office in Tampa. And you know, we made three acquisitions in the last 90 days or so. And what is every single growth spurt in sales from when I was at YP to now at SMB team is I find one mentor. That's it. Every single growth spurt in my personal life, professional life, business is one mentor. But then the question after you find that one mentor I found is, can you actually shut everything out and listen to that one mentor? Right, Because most people diversify their mentors and never really execute on any one of them. Mm -hmm. And so what I've done, maybe by luck, quite frankly, is blinders, right? Just like one person, like when I learned from Jason Fladlin on how to do webinars, he's all I listened to. I didn't listen to any other webinar coaches, right? When I learned from Grant on sales, I didn't listen to any other sales trainers, right? I'm taking one, when I learned from Cameron Herald, I didn't question his process over all the other processes that I learned. So I just think that people are afraid to model, but that would be uh, my, in a nutshell, from going from you know bankrupt to where I'm at now. And if I were to say like my biggest fear, my number one biggest fear right now is that Bill is going to die the crazy guy with all these big ideas. So still to this day, I am worried deep down that all of this was just luck. Every success I've ever had was just luck and good timing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's all going to crumble, and I'm just going to be the crazy guy with big ideas that's broke when I'm dead. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Yeah. Well, I got some things that I can recommend that help you with that, that fix that like that. I want to ask you a question going back to your, your father's situation uh, and your parents' situation, the repossessions and all that. What are some of the things, because as a kid, and I know you're, you're similar to the way I am, the way I am, I'm very observant. What did you observe to happen that went wrong in that situation that you know not to do now? Yeah. Number one, Number one was my dad contracted when the economy did. So economy contracted 2007, contraction starts happening. Immediately, he contracted. Um, he said, how can we save money? How can we reduce our marketing spend here? How can we not spend as much here? And that right there was the cancer of the entire company and, and, and our future, quite frankly, was the, the decision to contract, right? And so that that was the by far biggest thing that I observed. The second thing that I observed was that my dad and my family business, they stumbled into it. There was no plan. There was no, it was just, did we have a good year? No. Okay. Every, every, every year tax season would come. My parents would meet in the kitchen. And <laughs> it's like, it's funny, like they, they would ask this question. Like they would just ask, was it a good year? And they would talk about it at the kitchen table. And I remember as a kid, I was like, that seems like so victim-like. Was it a good year? Why yeah, did it happen that? to you? Yeah, yeah. Right? So it, there was no plan. It was just, what can we personally take home and milk out 
with this current business model that we have. And, and I got really fed up with this whole solopreneur movement, which now I later, I look back on and I see, I just get really fed up when people start businesses for their own selfish reasons. Like, yes, you need to be selfish. You need to fill your own cup, but dude, nobody wants to work to just make you rich. Like in today's day and age, you got to build something that can make other people rich, right? That can make other people want to be a part of your team. So my dad wasn't worried about that. He was worried about how cheap can I pay everyone? So he was paying all these hourly workers that were just swinging hammers for him, never hired a manager in, in 20 years, right? Because it threatened him. It threatened his yep. quote unquote skill set, right? Yep. So there was that component of it as well. But if I had to sum it up, it was no plan and you know, just gambling every year and contracting when the economy got you know contracted. Yep. Yep. Makes hundred percent sense, man. And so how did you how did you get into the, the line of work that you're in now helping attorneys, I guess, grow their business. Is that what you basically do? You're helping law, law firms grow their... So I guess, is it a consulting business? Is it a marketing business? Is it a combination? Like, yeah. What is it and how did you get into it? Yeah. Great question. So there's a couple pieces to that. So one of my many purpose statements that I always repeat to myself is that I create a blue ocean service that has the biggest positive impact on the industries that I enter. So when I started SMB team, it was just a marketing agency. We were managing pay-per-click Google ads campaigns for all different types of businesses, right? And our first bucket of clients were contractors. None of them would pay their bill. So I don't know why. Maybe it was just <laughs> luck of the draw for the five guys that we had as, as contractor clients at that time. I don't know. Just a lot of payment problems and they I just felt they didn't really You're talking about construction contractors. Correct. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah construction. Yeah. yeah. So we had a lawyer client come in as a referral and they were so happy with us. They're like, oh my God, your marketing is amazing. And I realized later that the business model, if you're in a consulting agency type business, the businesses you choose to serve is the number one tie to whether you'll be successful. If you want to serve hairdressers, sorry, chances are you're not going to build a hairdresser marketing company. Margins are too slow, too low. They're not going to be able to pay for it, right? Or mm -hmm. value it because it's so low transaction value. So for attorneys, I realized their average profit margin was five to you know 10 times higher than an average contractor. So if we can get them one client, they were five to 10 times happier yep. from a net profit perspective. Not to mention there's additional schooling requirements. So they were a bit more business savvy, not much, but a little bit more. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. But so we decided to course correct and steer the ship completely towards we're just going to do pay per click marketing for lawyers. Then we realized pay per click marketing is hard to retain clients in. If you look at marketing agencies, most people cancel their services with a pay-per-click marketing company. The reason is people view it as a fungible service. They view it as, I'll try this new pay-per-click campaign, doesn't work, turn it off. Yep. Not to mention, they don't even have proper marketing expectations in the first place. So we, instead of saying, this is where people get the own your niche saying wrong, okay? Where a lot of people say like, oh, pick one niche and master it. Dude, you could be in the wrong niche, right? right? right. You gotta pivot. So I realized attorneys didn't need just pay-per-click marketing. They needed full service marketing, right? More importantly, they needed coaching because 
when I would interview clients, which I do all the time on Saturdays, I'd book out three, three hour calls with my clients and just ask them, what are your real problems? Like if I could solve X, what would that be worth to you? If I could, I would just write in quite no sales pitch, just pay like a research, me. research. Pay, yeah. I mean, unlimited research, like pay. I mean, you would be in like, like probably, I probably have 50 single space pages of just consumer research, right? In my Google Drive. Kept seeing the same thing. Need to know how to run my business better. Don't know how to run my business. Don't know how to delegate. So instead of saying, we're a marketing agency for lawyers, right? We decided, well, how can we solve the real problem they have and created a coaching business? So now we have, you know, I think it's just around 140 attorney coaching clients uh, paying us an average of $2,000 per month on 12 month contracts. It's a multi million dollar coaching business that we have quarterly workshops, we have live weekly calls, we have tools and accountability groups built. And that was another business model innovation. So then, so to answer your question, what are we now? Well, we do full service marketing for attorneys, meaning we do their website, we do their SEO, we do their PPC, Google ads, we do their Facebook ads all in one umbrella. But then we also combine that with our coaching program and we've created a combined package that's called Elite 360 Squared, which is our blue ocean, quote unquote, product. So that's how we differentiate ourselves in the market. And when you look at our revenues, the reason we were able to triple this year or more than triple or just under triple is because of the business model design. It was not the sales and marketing. Okay. Yes, we do a lot of it. We spent mm -hmm. we have a $2.2 million ad budget, but per year, this year it'll be 4 million this upcoming year. Focus on, on attorneys. Law offices. Focus on attorneys. Yep. yep. And then we're going to outgrow that. And then we're going to take our franchise prototype for attorneys. And then we're going to bring it to other verticals like dental and con construction we'll go back into. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we will. But we'll go into certain <laughs> revenue criteria. Yeah. But it's a blue ocean business model where we're, where we're combining coaching with full service marketing. And every single year, we had the humility to ask ourselves the key question to rapid growth, am I in the right business? Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, change it yesterday. Yep. I love it, man. So, and what's SMB stand for? Small, medium business team. Small, oh, okay. There you go. I like that. All right, cool. So two more questions as we wrap that, up here. That's another do? funny, that's another funny, quick, funny point. Yeah. The name doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. If you know how to market, like SMB could stand <laughs> for anything. Right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just heard about that. Like Grant was out in uh, Pueblo talking to Matt Smith about wake up Pueblo or whatever. And they were trying to figure out the name and Grant's like, it doesn't fucking matter. The name yeah. doesn't matter guys. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I agree. So uh, what, what's got you most excited right now, as far as like what you're into right now, like the like, thing that you're most proud of, maybe that you're working on, like what's, what's that thing right now? Good question. I think I'm excited to learn more about becoming a level five leader learning the balance of balancing short-term demands with long-term initiatives like just that is what keeps me engaged is i would be here's the thing a lot of people say follow your passion i disagree i think most people's passions are not you haven't tried enough things to know what the passion is a you haven't tried enough things to know what you're truly passionate about and b it's not the right business model it doesn't matter what i'm passionate about what matters is what can create the movement or the mission that I want to create, right? So 
the way I look at it right now is I'm not necessarily looking for excitement. So your question was, what am I excited about? Excitement is earned. I don't believe excitement is a, is, should be when you have a win and you're like, dang, I'm, I'm capable of doing that. Wow. I'm excited for a moment for just setting the next big goal. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so I would say like, what I wish people would look for is what's the thing you'll never get distracted from? That's the key. So like, rather than excitement, you can be excited about ponies. You can be excited about yeah. tap dancing, right? Mm-hmm. But what is, what's the thing that you are insatiably curious about? And for me, it's personal development. And in my opinion, the hardest form of personal development is learning how to be a level five leader. The balance of humility and inconquerable will. It is the hardest balance that John Maxwell talked about. How do you balance being humble enough to admit you don't have the answers, humility, with we're going here by X day, right? How do you make other people want to be a part of your mission? How do you, how do you make other people get richer than you? How do you create a movement that's more than you? These are hard questions and I'm, I'm ready to spend my entire life happily learning the everything I don't know about level five leadership. Do you, okay. And, and I got to throw this in there before I ask my final question. Yeah. Do you ever realize that you've absorbed so much information from your mentors and coaches that, because this happens to me, that you don't realize how advanced you actually are? Do you ever notice that? Now, I'm not saying that we know everything in your point. We're like, I, I know everything and, yep. and this and that. There's so much out there. We don't know. We don't know. Right. That's yeah. too, that too. But like, I find myself a lot of times and I'll get around people that I, I used to be, I don't know if I want to say in awe by, inspired by, really look up to, and then realize the amount of insecurities that they have and the, the knowledge that I picked up from other places that has actually elevated me to be on their level. Mm. I don't know if you've seen that or not. And I see it in Clubhouse, but I also see it with you know, I hang out with a lot, of, a lot of successful people, and 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 I start to see the insecurities that are stemming uh, in their lives, and I'm just blown away by it. Yeah, that I don't have those same insecurities, but they've been so much, so much more successful, so to speak. But I, I don't know if you've experienced that or not. All the time, yeah. I I feel like I don't know anything about anything all, all the time. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I'm just like, why? How did I get here? What, what day? Is it? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. But then, but then you get into a situation where you're around somebody, and those, and then you're you're giving advice to someone. And you're yeah. like, holy shit, like I do know a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know? that's why we yeah. have a, a very successful coaching program is, you know, I'm literally just sharing how we scale our company to other businesses. But is that, and but Bill, is that, is that a self-worth issue for us to it, an extent? It, pro- it probably is. And, and here's the thing is, is the fact that you and I are mentor seekers is a, not only a sign of success, but it's also a sign of a form of healthy intellectual insecurity. However, the question is how much of that is unhealthy and how much of that is a minimum requirement for rapid growth and rapid learning? I don't know. Yeah. Great topic. Great topic. All right. Final question, man. What would it be for it to happen in the future that if you knew you accomplished it right now, it would light your ass up? 20 billion annual. And revenue. Yep. Okay. I love it. <laughs> and that's, that's very, very quick answer. Are you yep. sure that's the only thing? Well, what's one more thing? Yeah, well, I think 20 billion is here's the thing. A lot of people make excuses about setting financial targets. I'll tell you this, 
setting financial targets, man, you are signing up for a fun, fun roller coaster. <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah. like, cause the finance, like I've had to learn how to have a team of almost 40 full-time people and I have to inspire them and I have to give them raises and I have to give them bonus plans and incentive plans and them career growth paths. And, and, and you know, so it's like, if you're a good person and your goals are around capturing a certain percentage of marketplace value. For me, like if I earn 20 billion in revenue, I want to provide 200 billion in value. I want to capture yep. 10% of the marketplace value I provide. That's my belief system. So I have no problem setting financial targets. Yeah. Um, the, if I had to choose another one, you know, my purpose that I write down every single day is I inspire 1 billion people to reach their full potential through my actions, right? And we have a core value at SMB team that's called be the bar. And be the bar means be the example, right? Grant does this, you do this. So many people successful do this. I just want to be able to live my life in a way where instead of me yip-yapping, I can just open the hood and say, hey, just look at exactly <laughs> how we did it. Attaboy. Here's how it. we run our sales team. Here's how we run our marketing department. Here's how we run our leadership team. So I want to just live a life where every single thing that we do is public, out in the open. I almost wish I was filmed 24-7 because it forces that level of accountability. So that I want to inspire a billion people through being the example, through my actions, through all that, areas of life. That's what I was looking for. The money things, don't, I, I have nothing against the money thing. It was just kind of boring. I wanted to get into yeah, that yeah. part right there because the money, yeah, yeah. of course, we want to go for 20 billion, man. Let's go. So, yeah. all right, man. So I want to, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. And how can my audience get in touch with you or engage with you? What's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah. So probably Instagram, Bill Hauser Biz, uh, B-I-L-L-H-A-U-S-E-R-B-I-Z, Bill Hauser Biz. Give me a follow there. I post my morning routine practically every day, I'm writing my goals, gratitudes, all that good stuff. I'm coming. And then the second place would be to go to tools.smbteam.com, where I give you kind of my personal development and business growth tools that work for any business. That link is tools.smbteam.com. That's it. If you're a law firm, reach out to us. Perfect. Thanks, Bill, for being here. Thank you guys for listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike Searock. Bill is in the club of unstoppable without a doubt. And please go support him if you have a need, if you're in the attorney, the law for, uh, space. And uh, go let them know you heard them here on the What Do You Made Up podcast. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Do You Made Of. Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.